Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, hello. This is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, the writer of the Betches Sup newsletter. And I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian and sub-video contributor. Forgive me if I'm like a little out of breath. I was just doing my PT exercises and I did not injure myself. They just don't (laughs) tell you that being in your like mid-30s, you just have to do it to function. Like my back just does, it just hurts if I don't do these silly little things all the time. Yeah, I am more and more rendered breathless, but I'm in a fourth floor walk up. Yeah, and it's when like you I've, walk up, ooh. it's a lot. It's a lot. But but also, I've lived here for a number of years to like, I'm like, haven't I trained to walk these stairs? Like, <laughs> like shouldn't my body be able to handle this now? Why is it getting like, harder? Yeah, I'm like, well, I, I've been, I do it every day. So you would think that like eventually I would like grow the strength to walk up my stairs but no no I take my dog for a walk and then he like zooms up and I'm like I'm like you can run if you want but you'll <laughs> yeah. be waiting at the door <laughs> yeah four flights of stairs is is crazy is crazy it's a lot. no yeah they just suddenly my back hurt and I went to the doctor and I was like why is my back hurt they're like it just hurts now you just have to you just because you've actually the reason is because like they were like you've never worked a single muscle in your back that is why it hurts. So we're we're doing that now. We're doing we're doing that now. My thirty fourth birthday is on Monday, and I am feeling Whoa. it everywhere. What that is the fourteenth? The fourteenth, yes. Yeah, I'm like trying to see what celebrities. It's Halle Berry. That's Halle the main Berry. one. <laughs> no, there's a few. She you, looks okay, younger you got than Tim I do. Tebow, Mila Kunis, Steve Martin, oh, Steve uh, Martin. Magic Johnson. These are good. Uh, Kath, My um, Leo, Kings and Queens. Uh, Daniel Steele, like you got, you got Chris Hemsworth. Oh, wow. That's I a good one. I know it was a lot. I know it was a lot. Cause I, you know, for that other newsletter, I write mm-hmm. David Crosby. <laughs> I like the Kunas. I like Halle Berry. Jennifer after Obama's. Oh my God. I didn't know that one. That one's my favorite. Leo. I should, I should hit her up and maybe we can have a joint birthday party in the West village. Somewhere. Marsha Gay Harden. All good ones. Lit. Leo has a bunch of like. Leo has I mean, a bunch because of, of the nature of Leo, there are a lot of celebrity Leos. Barack Obama is a Leo. Famous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was confessing to Millie right before that I did for my birthday, in the interest of transparency with our feminist audience, I did get Botox for my birthday, and I can't stop staring at my forehead. I Listen, mean, I, this I've is talked. an audio medium, but it looks great. At least your forehead is flawless. Well, I've talked it. Okay. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> The video we put up of you talking about the writer strike, I was just like, everything she's saying is brilliant, but her forehead is, I could, gorgeous. Well, you know, Amanda, see, that's a feminist queen. You yeah. know, when someone says eyes up here, they mean their eyes and exactly. not their breasts. No. But M- Amanda's looking, goes be above and beyond feminist standards to stare at the forehead. Fe- yes, professionally relaxed forehead. I finally, yeah. I do know, I can't, I cannot say who. But I know of a very, very, very famous A-list celebrity whose writer says you can't look at her forehead. Oh, right. Yes. A friend worked with her on a project. Yes. And it is Mm -hmm. in her writer that you are not to look at her forehead, which to me 
like I that feel would like make that's, me look yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A dry sand effect. It's like I wouldn't yeah. have looked at that person's forehead or even thought about that person's forehead until I read that, and then it would be forehead at the forefront of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I get it now. And now as somebody who has had um, procedures performed on her forehead, I guess Girl, I would be you like. you got one injection of Botox. <laughs> Let's chill because I'm sure half of the fucking podcast audience has had it. Oh, absolutely. Listen, we approve women's bodies, women's choices. Absolutely. Yeah. And that'll be a theme for today. Later. Absolutely. You're speaking <laughs> of women's choices. Your nails are very good today, Millie. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. There's a little Vacation cherry nails. on them vacation nails they're sharp i forgot you know i take breaks from the acrylics and then uh you know i you just have to do there is a learning curve or a relearning curve mm-hmm. of like oh yeah this, i have to relearn how to type in text and guys put in my contacts because i did scratch a cornea <laughs> no. uh, we live and that's, we learn like alanis morissette says that's tough I feel like it's anti-feminist that there is not a device that can help you assist in contact insertion when you have acrylics. Well, um, there, this girl made one for okay. when you put eight, no, not for uh, contacts, but when you like some of like when you're in the gas station yeah. or something and you have to put in your ATM card and take it out really quickly, <laughs> that's really challenging with the nails. So yeah. she had like what is essentially a chip clip for your <laughs> ATM card. Girl boss slay. And it's just like, you know, this is a bad bitch business. Yeah, I, they, you know in Barbie me? land, you wouldn't need that. In Barbie land, you could just pull oh, everything out. Necklaces, the ATM yeah. thing, mm-hmm. putting Barbie's on contacts. to pay. She, she's well, been yeah. tapping to pay You're for a You're born with a frozen forehead. All Tap of it. to yeah, pay. Exactly. And my nail artist, this is crazy. You want to see women in STEM? <laughs> women in STEM, she fucking put an N- NFC chip in one of the nails. What? <laughs> when, when you put your phone over a oh. nail, it has her fucking um, no. ad, like her contact info, her contact wow. card. And that That's is women in STEM. Yeah, That's that another is, level. That is, because that, now, is, that is entrepreneurship. Yeah, because now it's not even about the QR codes. It's about you put your phone over and it already pops up like the website or oh whatever it wants you to visit. And she did it with fucking nails. And that's that stunning. Is that's stunning. Put her put her in the federal government. I guess we'll get to today's number, but we're not going to take um, we're not going to take a heavier tone with with this next story because today's number is three. That is the number of people who have been arrested in connection with, yes, the Montgomery brawl. We did not record on Monday. Uh, we instead aired our episode, our, our much more tasteful episode with the White House press secretary uh, where this had not happened. So we did not inquire about it. Uh, but of course, uh, arrest warrants have been issued for three of the men, all white, involved in instigating the fight that broke out at a river dock in the Alabama town over the weekend. If you missed this or didn't even read uh, you know, a summary, Basically, a number of white boaters attacked a black security guard unprovoked is what happened. He basically, I guess, was saying, like, you can't have you need to move your boat so other people can have their boat here. And they lost it on him. They started three of them jumped him. Then I think the next thing that happened is that the young man, I think his name is Aaron, jumped from the nearby boat to help the security guard who was being beat up. And then this escalated and escalated mostly because of the uh, the white. I, I get, I get, I get a mixed up between who was on the pontoon and the river boat. So I'm the sorry if I. The pontoon boat was the white guy. White people. And they were... Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've watched every angle, every Facebook live, all the interviews. I sent it all to Elise. I yeah. was like, Elise, 
Montgomery Brawl. Watch this space. Yes. I watched every meme. And basically, it, 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 no, it needs, somebody said fuck below deck. We need the, we yeah, need the reality show about absolutely. that place, and you absolutely. So basically, <laughs> the pontoon they've been yeah. doing it apparently for years. There's mm. a popular river boat, and I guess they have like multiple trips a day. So they needed to unload the, and it was full of people. Unload yeah. this one boat, and then put reload mm. the ne- for the next trip. And this one guy was left to fend for himself. He said, "Can you move it? Can you move it for a few hours?" They didn't hear him. Then he just, you know, which happens, moved the boat himself. Yep. Like he moved it out of the way so that they can dock because there's also a ramp for people in wheelchairs and stuff too. Yeah. Like it's not just yeah, like. Yeah, he gave them a chance to move yeah, it. They, yeah. they didn't move it. And then he, he said something there like, why'd you move my boat? Then one guy peed him up. Then all of them beat him up. And his co-workers were watching him get beat up mm. from the boat and they were disturbed. So obviously when the yeah. boat docked. There was yes, one was white on. guy that helped, though. Okay. There's one white team. And he got yeah, punched. let's talk about him first. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't have to talk about him. But it wasn't simply just black. There was yeah, one yeah. white kid okay. who was like, he looked like he couldn't be over 19. Oh, that tried to him. jump in, immediately Gen got Z. punched in the dick <laughs> yeah. and walked away. So just shout out. And he has a bowl cut. He, um, he never had a chance. There really is something for everybody in, oh, yeah. in the Montgomery boat brawl. At least what was, what was your favorite? feature um okay my favorite feature number one is the memes of the guy getting hit with a chair because it did there was a folding chair that was used as a weapon um but my favorite is like when you watch a video of the fight there is because this is like an active dock that usually people are like coming and going and partying and having i imagine they're like restaurant like it's an active dock area so in the background of all of these fights, it's just like, like you can hear like the music <laughs> in the back. And then there's one video in particular where you can hear someone on the PA from the riverboat, which is the riverboat is the one that wasn't allowed to dock. The pontoon boat is the one that was in the riverboat spot. There's someone from the riverboat goes, don't fuck with the riverboat crew. Don't fuck with the riverboat crew. And I just think about that one all the that like line all the time where I'm like, yeah, and it was called Harriet, right? The riverboat. The, Harriet the riverboat too. was the Harriet yeah. too. Oh, the riverboat man. was the Harriet too. And there is, uh, I mean, to shout out to a kid, there was a kid on the riverboat who was like 16 who did because like there's a period of time where the riverboat people are stuck on the water watching right. the pontoon boat people beat up the security guard. And yeah. one kid who was like 16 left from the riverboat and got in the water and like swam, swam. over to like Real. join to the fight. Prey. Yeah. yeah to fight yeah which is just uh you know it was certainly interesting yeah. to behold millie what is your favorite feature <sighs> there's so much there's there a are. song called montgomery brawl that basically mm-hmm. recaps it yeah uh, the chair jitsu videos mm-hmm. um i guess it's just like one of those stories where People thought that they could like act without consequence. And then when other people came and defended this man, like yeah. it was just really, really just right. satisfying to watch. And it's just like there was a true sense of justice. And that the the fact that not one guy, the, the chair guy, it was like <laughs> there's a lot of debate about the chair guy, whether he went too far with hitting right. the woman in the head. <laughs> 
if you watch from no, all sorry. angles, if you watch from all angles, she was getting in it. Yeah, listen, I have read. I, I believe most recently he's wanting for he's wanted. Police want to talk to him, but I don't think he's facing charges. They just like want more information. Like it was an, at a certain point in this brawl, it was like if you were not on offense. If if you you were on the menu, like yeah, but she also there is like videos of her punching people. Oh my god, yes. and all that stuff. So it's like, you know what? Yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> my, I don't yeah. want a victim blame, but what was she doing there? You know, like I think I mean, yeah, it's it's very clear who which uh, which side to root for there, and also like my favorite part was that. <laughs> But right before they started going in on the poor security card, when he just launches, just yeets his hat. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. A bad signal. <laughs> and, of course, the Renaissance painting of the guy. I don't even know if he was affiliated with either group who just was, like, posing, posing in the security camera. Yes, when the chair. He needs a brand deal. Incredible. With like Nikon or something. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I think Bravo, I, I would Bravo. watch. I don't know if they need to, like... I would watch the below deck of the Harriet boat crew because I'm sure just the things they've seen <laughs> did. Okay, before this, if you point a gun to my head and says, does Alabama have a river? <laughs> I, you know, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> don't, Millie, just don't use that idiom with Alabama. Okay. It's yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah, Alabama. Listen, maybe this will be good for tourism at the riverfront. Oh, that, that riverboat company is definitely probably um, going to have going to have a wait. That was the monoculture and the unit and the moment, the sort of like stuck boat moment that we all needed mid- yes. in the midsummer slump. Best thing about Republican culture is boating culture. Mm-hmm. That was that's always something I say. But then, yeah. damn, like I don't know. I don't know if I want to be associated with pontoons. Well, it is. Yeah, it is a new level of entertainment value. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, 
only one is uniquely yours or mine. And pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. All right, now we'll get to the main news. We'll start with the outcome of a special election in Ohio this week. So you all know, because we talked about it on the podcast a million times in the newsletter, a million times, the Republican-led state legislature in Ohio, which is, like many states, gerrymandered within an inch of its life, held an expensive and unnecessary special election this week on a proposal to increase the threshold of votes needed to pass a constitutional amendment to the state constitution. So that typically requires a vote of 50% plus one, which makes perfect sense. I'm pretty sure that's, that's the case for pretty much every Everything except where we have the filibuster, like that's, you know, direct democracy, 50% plus one. They tried to change that to 60% for a very sneaky reason, because they knew that a pro-abortion rights ballot initiative in November that has, you know, almost a million signatures, I think that's absolutely going to be on the ballot, would have a harder time passing if it needed to get 60% of the vote. That initiative, it was called issue one, it failed overwhelmingly. Ohio voters rejected issue one. It was about 57% to 43%, which you know, kind of notably not 60 to 40, which is a good, which means that this this turnout was important. Some interesting things here is that more people voted to reject this initiative than voted for Joe Biden in the state. And the opposite side was less popular than Donald Trump. So it's clear that there's that this is not a partisan issue for people, especially when this was kind of an arcane way to like, like this was, this was the type of election that I feel like normally only really insider super engaged voters would know about and show up for. So the fact that like, it was like got national attention, this abortion rights were not directly on the ballot, but people, you know, the grassroots and, and people had messaged uh, rigorously enough that they needed to turn out. Like it feels pretty huge. Yeah. I think that what we have just seen and what we are seeing time and time again is number one, people don't like having their rights taken away, which is why every time the abortion issue comes up in elections now, we have seen a lot of success. And then number two, people don't like when you fuck with the actual democracy of the United States. Like, every election denier lost their elections for a reason. Like people do not want you to fuck with their vote and what their vote means. And I think that that actually is an issue with bipartisan standing. I think that even someone who maybe doesn't know how they feel about abortion or doesn't feel strongly, or maybe is slightly anti-abortion can still see how like, no, that's not right. Like, it's not okay for them to say now we can't have ballot initiatives, which is like a form of direct democracy. Like you're basically saying like, oh, the people can't influence the legislature of the state. That's not cool. And so I think that, yeah, it's just, I mean, they literally took a pie to the face with this. They Mm -hmm. look so foolish. Absolutely. Yeah, I think to me, it's like, People don't like when you take away democracy, but it's also like, 
again, abortion issues, like we all know, are popular. Like, uh, you know, pro-choice, pro-abortion, like no one wants to take away abortion or like the majority of people want abortion to be in place. I feel like the there are a lot of people in the middle and then there are there is a smaller number of people who are like vehemently mm-hmm. anti-abortion. So it's like the people who are very pro-abortion are more likely to be, you know, be engaged, vote in this. And the people, I feel like there is also just a, a swath of people who don't care either way, but aren't incised enough to like take away abortion that they just stayed home, you know? Yeah. Like it's also like the two extremes and the people in the middle didn't, you know, they could, because again, this is like a popular issue like a popular cause, you know? So it's going to be really interesting to see how Republicans um, move forward with this strategy of, because, you know, anti-abortion stuff is not that popular amongst even Republicans, you know, even Republicans. Yeah, I mean, it's just proving time and time again to not be a winning issue, which is so funny because their whole argument was like, send it back to the states. It should be right. up to the states to decide. And then now they're like, oh, wait, uh, but but 60 percent has to like if there, it, yeah. it, it kind of goes to show that like the anti-abortion movement was never actually about doing what the people wanted. It was about imposing anti-abortion views on everyone regardless. Because again, the reason that we're in the situation we're in isn't because people voted to take away the right to an abortion. It's because a president who was not elected by the majority of people in the United States put in place activists on this issue into the Supreme Court, which is the only branch of government that isn't elected by the people. So they Mm -hmm. the route to them winning, quote unquote, this fight for now was never actually by voting or winning the most people. And so the whole like send it to the states thing was always just a cover. And now they're they found themselves between a rock and a hard place because they are sending it to the states. And look what's happening in them. Ohio voted for Trump by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. By a lot. And that's happening in a bunch of different places where it's like, oh, actually, people don't like to have important rights taken away. Women know, as we've seen, women are paying attention to what's going on in Texas and these different, like all these testimonies from people who had complicated pregnancies, like Women know the reality of why Mm -hmm. abortion, legal, safe abortion is necessary. And honestly, I think that there are a decent number, especially of like younger men who want their girlfriend to be able to get an abortion. Totally. They get an unplanned pregnancy like like it is an issue that actually even though it's been so polarized in our country, there is a lot of bipartisan appeal because there are probably deeply conservative Republican women who have had to have abortions for medical reasons, like the women that we've, we were just talking about in Texas. And there are probably some like slightly right leaning dudes who are like, well, who have had maybe an abortion with a girlfriend in the past, you know, like mm-hmm. this issue actually can have like, this can, an abortion can happen to anyone. And so I think that 
we're finding that it's actually a more bipartisan situation than we even realize. Or, you know, again, I can also see, I can also see this guy who like had an abortion with the girlfriend is conservative. He's just going to stay home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to get in it. So it's like when that's the single issue thing too, it's like, they're not incised enough Mm -hmm. to do it because they, because it's more nuanced and stuff. Right. And as as encouraging these ballot initiatives and these direct uh, successful direct attempts to codify abortion rights and all of these, I mean, red states, honestly, you know, in Ohio and Kentucky, I think they're trying in Arizona now, which is more of a swing mm-hmm. state. I mean, I was telling Elise, like, it does make you wonder with how popular abortion rights seems to be like, could they pull this off in Arkansas, in Alabama, in Mississippi? I don't know. And that's wonderful to see. But it also if I were like a democratic strategist over the past couple decades, I'd be feeling kind of dumb because this issue is winning elections when it's not even on the ballot. Abortion rights are more popular in Ohio than Joe Biden. And you have to beg the man to, you have to beg anyone in this party to say anything. And it's like, it's great that the, I think it's, it's important that the, my, my sort of like political reaction is just like, Oh, we could have like attached this cause to, um, individual candidates to help us get elected for all of these years. But no, we pretended like, oh, it's we don't really want to touch it. There's abortions kind of like a touchy issue. It's really down the middle. It has never been down the middle. Hmm. It is not down the middle in Ohio. So it's yeah. like for all of this, I don't think like if the overturning of Roe leads to an outcome where in a majority of states, it's just like a very firm constitutional right to get an abortion. That's great. It is very gratifying right now to see just just how wrong they were. And it's like, like Elise said, like, of course, when a Supreme Court that was like unjustly installed by an unpopular a president who lost the popular vote, who had to manipulate even those voters, like, of course, it doesn't match the popular point of view. And it's like kind of just a relief to like see it in action, because I'm sure a lot of us like as I was, it was like, do people actually feel this way? Like, is everyone just secretly harboring really anti-woman beliefs? And I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, no, that's, that's the one thing that unites the world. But, <laughs> but think that, yeah. uh, Specifically abortion rights, more people but, do benefit from. So yeah. like these wins are really so heartening to see. I think Caitlin wrote, in her piece it's like these elections should not need to happen but it's very heartening and should add to our confidence that these are the outcomes over and over again and i do think the row situation was a wake-up call to a lot of people in general like again talking about those people that millie was bringing up the ones in the middle who maybe didn't feel strongly one way or another i also think there are a lot of those people who are like oh, shit, they actually overturned Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. now I do feel like I should get to the polls and vote for this. Or, you know, I think it can have either effect of, like, there are people who just don't care, who aren't going to care, who never going to care. But I do think there are other people who were converted to caring because we've never seen a right overturned like that. That's never happened. Like, we've never, ever seen something like that. And I think, when we're talking about the growing numbers of like Gen Z and millennial people who are voting, when we're talking about like suburban women who sometimes go suburban white women in particular, who sometimes go one way or another, as far as how they're voting. I think that to take, I don't think that Republicans understood what they were doing when they took a right away from people and what that can like wake up in someone who maybe was previously complacent or on the fence. 
these people, you have to pay attention because these people play dirty too. It's it's, yep. it's just like the complacency is like also it's a result of like the Republican Party not following norms in the, you know, quote unquote norms in the way that like democrats and like establishment democrats are you know it's like oh well we can all we disagree but we can all grab a beer and it's like these people are cheating Mm -hmm. and fucking waiting for people not even dead in the grave i mean not (laughs) cold in the grave to fucking reelect them you know what i mean they're not running by the same rules to get their shit done so yeah it's not it's not just like politicians that woke up to it like elise was saying it's also yeah like we all have to pay attention more because these people will overturn their fucking capital, you know, whatever, wear fur coats. I was laughing before because you were referring to RBG as dead in the grave, but I thought you were referring to Mitch McConnell. So that's why I'm oh, not because <laughs> listeners are probably like, what the fuck? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's backfiring. I mean, those really, really painful moments throughout the Trump administration, like I, that was like the hardest I think I cried during the Trump administration other than the insane things they were doing to families at the border was the moment Brett Kavanaugh was was sworn in, not just because the abortion rights, but because oh, of so the, many moments. I there, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So, so many. Yeah. I'm like, so many. I think the Ruth Bader Ginsburg shit was, was one. I thought yeah. that's oh what God. you were going to say when when you said you were crying. It's like when they put in Amy Coney Barrett, I was like, whoa, these I think I cried hardest about the Brett one because I was like, oh, you really don't care that he very likely did this to people like it was just like, yeah. it's it's fine. It's fine. The RBG, I was more like, this is terrible. I was devastated, but it was more like from a professional point of view. I was still on sub by myself then, the account, and I was just like, I can't handle this professionally. Like, I can't. Oh my god, it was like late September, and 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 we were like, the 2020 election was coming, and that felt like the it was the most important thing ever. And I was just like, oh my god, we have to do a confirmation hearing on top of this. I remember exactly where I was when I got the RBG news because I had done my first makeup trial for my (laughs) wedding that day. And I was at Pilar Cuban Eatery in Brooklyn. And me and Danny were like, I was like, I want to go out to dinner because I have this beautiful Mm -hmm. makeup. And then I got the news and I did cry and my eyelash fell off. (laughs) And I was was all like, because I had so much fucking makeup on too. And I was like, this is ruined (laughs) You guys fucking ruined my ma- my wedding makeup trial. It was awful. No, yeah, and then literally within <laughs> moments, Mitch McConnell was up there like, "Yeah, all right, this this lady says put your unwanted babies in a bag, and we're gonna we're gonna put her on the Supreme Court." This yep. lady loves people, especially her two black adopted. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and 
of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We will move on to our next topic in main news, which is which is kind of a tough one. We're going to talk about the 2024 Senate map. I think it's time. Ohio is kind of like, I think liberals, we hope it's a swings day. And there are so many people there that are working really hard to keep it that way. Obviously has has some incredible Democratic representatives. It's, it's tough. There's a senator up uh, for 2024. But let's take a look at the map more broadly, because there's a lot of states like this that could kind of like win or lose the Senate for Democrats. A third of the Senate is up for grabs in 2024. Usually every two years, it's about a third of the Senate. So next year, we're looking at 33 Senate elections. Uh, Democrats are defending 23 of those seats. Ah. Republicans are just defending 10. Seems unfair, but okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, a lot of those seats are not in super blue states. I mean, we have some in California. I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand is up. Uh, You know, we have some Michigan senators that are safe. Massachusetts, I don't, in New York, I don't think people are, are, are. super worried about those ones. Um, but we're also having to keep some Democrats in some some peculiar places like West Virginia and Montana. They currently have Democratic senators. There are also swing states that can maybe go either way with senators like Ohio and Arizona, although I get, you know, Arizona cinema is an independent and she'll be primary, but that'll be even trickier. <laughs> yeah. Even independent trickier. Senator Kirsten Cinema, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Such sure. an independent thinker. Republicans are defending seats in like cozier places for them, you know, places like Nebraska, Wyoming, North Dakota, Tennessee, all of these places we know we have listeners. And like whenever, whenever I get, we get to like, oh, that state's impossible. We always get listeners that are like, no, we're here. We see you. We see you. There's always a chance. And, you know, there are also some of our biggest red state kind of targets that we like to talk about a lot. Ted Cruz in Texas, Rick Scott in Florida, and Josh Hawley in Missouri. So I think that People have looked at this map very pessimistically. However, I feel like they did, you know, Republicans were also supposed to take the Senate easily in 2022, and they didn't. Um, they're getting more extreme. They put through a lot of their Trump-endorsed candidates. They might they might learn. They might have learned their lesson this time. But when you guys look ahead at this map and you see kind of like what we have to defend and what it would take to keep, what is it? what does it make you think about? It makes me think that... The Democratic Party would be fucking insane if they didn't have you running Joe Manchin's campaign okay. in West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> okay. Come on. You knew I was going to say. No, I was at the edge of my seat like, oh. <laughs> They'd be, be. It would behoove them to mm-hmm, have a Manchin mm-hmm, over me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he cares. Yeah. No, but it's just like, fuck, we got to. These are tough. These are tough. Yeah. Yeah, I think. After the most recent midterm, which again was like all the predictions were so bleak and yeah. so bad. And then it like we actually held on to the House. And I think that maybe if the, the Senate, Democratic yeah. Party or sorry, the Senate and we all we almost held on to the House. We <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> sorry, wishful thinking. But I mean, like it, we were George supposed Santos. to like lose the shit out of the House. <laughs> yeah. Well, we yeah. have George Santos, which is a blessing and in its own way. <laughs> Guys, you had a Barbie birthday party too. I can't handle it. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, yeah, it I do feel like pessimism, like like I feel like after seeing the results of the most recent midterm, 
that maybe if we had like not if the Democratic Party had not given into so much pessimism, maybe we actually could have kept the House because it was mm. so, like, I think if we had mm-hmm. gone a little harder and also like, you know, there were issues in how we ran in New York and stuff. But I think I just think no matter what, everything is on the table, given exactly what we were just talking about, like because of abortion rights, because of honestly gun rights, climate change. We are in a situation where... We are coming out of a summer that was outrageous in mm-hmm. terms of heat. Yeah. Th- this fire in Maui. We haven't talked about the I know fire, we haven't but talked like, about uh, it, un- but it was unreal. horrible. It's horrible. I mean, people, climate change is knocking at people's doors, and the Republican Party is on the wrong side of every single one of the most motivating issues for people people right now Mm -hmm. whether it's abortion whether it's guns climate all of it so i just feel like if we can make the election about those issues and not a trump versus biden Mm. like referendum type thing which is tough because they're going to potentially both be on the ballot as well not so, even meatball. Not even me. I mean, meatball's doing really bad. Yeah. Meatball's doing terrible. Meatball's <laughs> like running his own. He's like a team of one at this point. I his, know. His G- he's running Ron DeSantis assistant at gmail.com. Wait, is it because he looks like a meatball or because he's Italian? Does he look like a meatball? I think I he mean, looks like Mike Wazowski. Okay. I think he like... looks like that meatball from the Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh. Yeah, he's very like. Tom Does Trump know that reference? Kind of brown. No. Yeah. No, I I think from Trump, it's probably because he's Italian. But the reason it's funny to me is because I do think he looks like a meatball. Right. Did you guys know? Aside that, his name is pronounced DeSantis, and for years he was like, "No, please, it's not DeSantis. It's DeSantis." And then eventually, he must have gotten the advice where it's he like, "Stop stopped. correcting people. It's too Italian." You're coming off as as you're othering yourself to say DeSantis. And that's what we're talking about when we say like when he says he's all about traditional American values. It's the traditional uh, 1950s value of being racist towards Italians. <laughs> yes. that you really don't see anymore. You're, yeah. You know, you're like Italians have assimilated to mainstream mm-hmm. American culture. Olive Garden is one of our most popular franchises <laughs> in this country. And you have Rhonda Santos saying, do not mm-hmm. call me, you know, like uh, Caucasian against Italians again. <laughs> Italians again. I mean, <gasps> that's that. I mean, yeah, that's that's a campaign that he, Donald Trump. He's not going to Sicily like the mm-hmm. White Lotus people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Some other interesting things here is that, like, you know, we've talked on the podcast before and kind of vented about times in 2020 and 2022 when there are always like these really big there are these candidates that are primary or that are running against Republicans in super red states. And they're really exciting because we hate these guys, you know, uh, Amy McGrath against Mitch McConnell. There's been some um, Sarah Gideon against Susan Collins. I mean, that was, that one was a little bit closer, but, and they get a ton and ton and ton of money and then they don't succeed. And it was like kind of way off and it kind of feels bad. You think like who could have, so I feel like this cycle, you know, it's going to be an interesting balance between, how much they're investing in the or like messaging that people should invest in the incumbents that can probably win versus, um, you know, 
people that maybe have a chance. And as much as I kind of want to like, as much as it annoys me to see a lot of money and a lot of attention going to impossible races, we also have to acknowledge that like places like Texas and Florida, if we did work a little harder and there were better infrastructures and there are grassroots organizations in those two states specifically saying it's here, the votes are here, the enthusiasm is here, like people can be motivated to vote for Democrats. So I'm curious, you know, Millie, do you think Rick Scott could, somebody could have a chance against him? Rick Scott is the most villainous motherfucker in the Senate, in my opinion. That's who he said is the other it's alien. alien option. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, that's also what I was thinking was like, I understand that there's limited resources. I wonder how much, but it's also like, we can't completely give up hope on these places because no. the the transition to purple in Texas and Florida and all the, I mean, Florida ha- was blue when I was growing up, you know what I mean? Really? Yeah. So it's not this impossible task, but, and especially with Ron DeSantis and how fucked up he's made Florida right now, where they can't teach AP psychology in schools. They're banning all the, like, You'd be like the Democratic Mm -hmm. Party would be fucking out of their mind to not pour everything into getting getting people to vote and, you know, and making sure people are excited and know all the issues that a senator from Florida can do and get passed and block. You know what I mean? And again, like play in Florida and in Texas, you know, it. It's defense. It's a mm-hmm. defensive strategy to mitigate harm, and it, it's possible. And again, even if you know these aren't successful, it's all about like that slow burn and yeah, like building yeah, totally. momentum. And like, okay, maybe next time. And this is all this stuff and whatever. But I just feel like not addressing or anything because it's not that close or something. Like. That's not great either. You know, right. and like, you know, Stacey Abrams has made, you know, and Beto O'Rourke and all these people, there's things yeah. to be said about the 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 strides they've made and like yeah. how great. I mean, I think a lot of us originally got interested in politics because of candidates that seemed unlikely but really inspired us. Yeah. And so like, you know, there is a, there is a huge impact to people running and getting a lot of enthusiasm, even if they don't win that cycle. We see that's like a big way that women get elected too. They first have to like sort of make a small name for themselves, and then they can have an easier time fundraising next time. Um, yeah, I heard they were like trying to convince Dwayne Wade to run against Ron DeSantis in 2026. If I were well, him, I would say absolutely not. I'm going to enjoy my beautiful family. Well, I mean, there. I mean. They're going to need Something, the right candidate. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, the to unite the black vote and the queer vote like that, that yeah. would be something. It would be interesting to see someone with a trans child running against mm. Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Like, wow. That's yeah. Symbolically, I think very interesting. I don't know if it's Dwayne. I Wade. think that's exactly why he'd probably be like, I yeah, do, no. <laughs> I yeah. do like the idea of First Lady of Florida, Gabrielle Union. I think mm-hmm. that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. other people might like that. I think she would uh, up the fashion game in a way that Casey DeSantis simply never could, simply only wishes that she could. I did not know. I was so sad to hear that, like, he had a, like, he had another kid when he and Gabrielle were, like, already dating. I mean, like, they're a beautiful family now, but it is complicated. And you know, and you know that, uh, that Ron DeSantis would absolutely, 
exploit the shit out of that. But yeah, he need, I'm very excited to see who his opponent is. Ted Cruz is up in 2024. There are a couple people that are in the race to uh, to that run against okay, him. That primary like two points. Yeah, he was exactly yeah, he was exactly. The more you can like, you know, use elections to get your message out, like there are there are tr- there are wins that are not just uh, the candidate getting elected. We just certainly hope that this cycle, like the the last minute big investments go, you know, you just look at places that like, oh, have we just sent Obama to this state instead of that one? Like maybe mm-hmm. it would have moved the needle. So there are some opportunities here that I hope uh, are not missed again. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Next up, we will do a women's rights and women's wrongs. So this is kind of a summer long story I've seen kind of be ambient and we haven't dug into it too much, but economists have been vocal lately. I've seen a lot of headlines about the historic impact of some major girly pop events on the economy this summer. I'm talking specifically about the Eras Tour, the Renaissance Tour, and the Barbie movie. These pop culture events have impacted the economy in pretty like holistic ways, just 360 degrees from like hospitality to apparel to beads. People are flying to different cities for these concerts. They're paying for hotels, for the movie. They're buying their outfits. People are buying dinner at local businesses. They're making trips out of it. They're making nights out of it. Uh, the final six nights of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour in LA is expected to bring in about $320 million to the city. People spent so much to see Beyonce's opening night in Sweden that it temporarily inflated prices in the city. Like hotels and restaurants knew that people would be coming and would have need places to eat. So for about a month period, the prices were higher. And Barbie has pulled in more than a billion dollars, which it's the first movie directed by a woman to do so. So I think us and our listeners have like never really doubted the impact, uh, the spending and buying power of women or women's ability to generate this type of like economic activity. Women control or influence 80% of consumer spending. And they've been, you know, that they've done sold out shows across the world before. That being said, what do you think feels striking and very special about this kind of this this summer, this moment of it all? I think that like what feels striking is what's like so different and fresh about all of mm-hmm. this is this not to sound like a stupid like 
trad wife podcaster or whatever (laughs) but it's like it's the embrace of femininity and leaning into it um because for so long people society whatever men have said if you want to be successful if you want to be you know whatever you have to either completely form into the male gaze or you have Mm. to emulate men or men have to be in the center of what you want or or, or if you want to be successful, you know? And for these things to be so popular and have women, you know, because even though obviously Taylor Swift and Beyonce are like beautiful, sexy women, like Beyonce is basically wearing like a one piece though. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, or whatever. And Taylor Swift too, she's there, Mm -hmm. whatever. So it's like, it's not this whole like sex sells, like male gaze shit. It's like. They're dressed for women. It's, it's very clearly. Yeah, dressed for women about (laughs) like the, the fun glittery outfits and all that stuff. I don't think if, I don't think Beyonce's bee hat is supposed to be a male gaze, which is why it's so, such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, again, it's like these, this cool artistry of like, targeting women, focusing on women, focusing on like speaking to women specifically that is making money and being successful. That is what like is different, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're, you know, Mm -hmm. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like they've always, you know, like been international pop stars, but it is through the thing of like, Schoolgirl clothes or like yeah. you know whatever kind of bullshit still but kind of is, on men's terms in a way exactly yeah. so I think that's what's different and then obviously with Barbie like we've talked about it eighty times we don't have to talk <laughs> about it again but again for it to be like as feminist as it could be mm-hmm. and make this much money is incredible yeah yeah I also think there's something about the fact that like this is actually a narrative. Like I keep seeing articles that mm-hmm. are like era's tour, Renaissance tour doing this for the economy. Barbie's doing this for the economy. I feel like in the past, the power of like women's dollars is kind of this little like thing that simmers under the surface. Like even yeah. if you go back and watch Mad Men, they're always talking about like, how do you target the homemaker so that she buys whatever? Like it's always been known that it's really us who are pushing things forward, but it's always kind of been in this idea of like, how do we get women to buy stuff for men? Or Mm -hmm. like, how do we subtly target women, but not like say it out loud because we don't want to come off as too girly, like what Millie was saying. Mm -hmm. And this is such a full, like now they're actually saying it out loud. Like women are driving all of the, Honestly, like monoculture pop events yeah. The, yeah. of the summer. Like, except for the boat bra. Yeah, except for the boat <laughs> bra, which was actually men and women participated as yes, we discussed. Yes, co ed, co ed. That, that was a co ed, you know, <laughs> the sexes were united. Yes, men and yes, women yes. can cooperate. Yes. Men and women can fight each other and take a chair to the head. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they can, they, men and women can both brawl on a dock. But, <laughs> but it is like, yeah, it's very interesting that it it's not, you know, it's not like there aren't big male movies out again. Yeah, like Oppenheimer right. didn't even come close in the end of the day to like what mm-hmm. Barbie was doing. And like 
There are men who are on tour. I mean, I saw Blink-182, so... Yeah, that is the most men... men yeah, 50 Cent like is, at, most... is at Barclays next door Wasn't to me tonight. Drake also on tour? He was at Barclays Shoot. for... he. Yeah, he's, he did five, like 10 nights in New York, yeah. So it's like... And you don't hear a thing about it, except for when a woman throws a bra at him. That was well... the biggest headline of the Drake tour, was from a woman. The bra was crazy though. It was a, <laughs> it was a like a, a thirty six G, which Someone was Someone threw a bra at Blink One Eighty Two as well, and like for all of their like, titties, sex, so yeah, like for that, for all of that, they seem yeah. pretty not into. Put off. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, like, in their fifties. I know. Yeah. No, they're all like married, and like one of them has a new baby on the way, and all that stuff. But it was just very funny to like see them kind of be mm-hmm. like can someone come pick this up like <laughs> they're like uh, yeah. um I, my wife is here <laughs> yeah. yeah the final kind of point on this is that i also can't help but think just sort of like anecdotally from what i've seen the people that i know that have spent the most money on seeing these shows or uh you know invent like buying new outfits for things is that i think it's also people have disposable income because we don't have kids yet like there's mm-hmm. A lot of people like normally and other like even 20 years ago, people our age would have like two kids by now. That would be the expectation. Most of us would. But instead, people have disposable income to fly to Paris to go see to go see uh, Taylor Swift or to fly to Sweden for, you know, the first Renaissance show. So that also seems to be like an interesting element of it is like you said, like expanding on what Elise said is it's not like, oh, let's women have so much spending power. Let's influence which toilet paper they buy for their for their whole families. It's like, no, no, you need to influence them to buy things that they that they are being spending insane amounts of money on just for them. Yeah. And you know, again, not having kids, we're not getting we're not buying houses. So. Girl, yeah, true. True. <laughs> no. What do I do with this paycheck? I'm gonna go well, I'm gonna I'm fly gonna go. to some random city and see and see Taylor Swift. And also like experience culture too. Mm-hmm. We all got it always goes back to experience yes. versus things. And I've also seen a lot of talk about how like, you know, this is very much like obviously the pandemic is people are getting sick. There's a bit of a wave now, but we haven't had a summer that felt safe to be around large groups of people for a very long time. So it's this real kind of like release of creativity, of of girliness. Like we've also experienced, you know, Roe versus Wade being overturned, which I feel like all of these things together, I think have contributed to this thing. We've talked about a lot on the podcast with like whatever the opposite of a pick me is like, it's cool to be a girl's girl again. It's it's they're just yeah. Ken, you know, well, they're just the ultimate, Ken. the ultimate diss of yes. all time is yeah. the is. fact that Ethan Slater, who I do disavow now, I know that I initially <laughs> was very excited. I didn't know about his personal life, but either way, Ethan <laughs> Slater's wife who, uh, he was married to before getting with Ariana Grande called her not a girl's girl, which called I a, feel which like, is, yeah, right. Ariana Grande is not a girl's yes. girl. And I was like, to be Ouch. called not a girl's girl in, in this moment, in wow. this kind of the worst moment, thing. Yeah, is wow. really that. That's you. You know, that's already tough. heard that. You know, she that heard is, that. That is the slight of of the moment. Finally, we'll do a very quick minute. Okay, because I want to make sure we get to this. This week, Tori Lanez was sentenced to ten years in prison I think it's for lanes. shooting. Tori Lanez. Oh, Lanez. <laughs> I've never heard it. <laughs> That's beautiful, though. Oh, <laughs> oh Tori's Dominican. Who knew? <laughs> free to keep this, Becca. I, you guys, because I never watch TV. I just read the news. I guess this isn't even well, news. This is, this is pop culture. He, this is how unimportant he is, though. Oh, good, good. Okay, so t- this week, Tori Lane's... <laughs> 
<laughs> he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for shooting Megan the Stallion last December. One kind of gripe I have is that every headline about this says sentenced to 10 years in prison for shooting Megan the Stallion in the foot as if the foot part is supposed to make it like less serious. Like, no, he just he just shot the woman. He was yeah. found guilty of all three charges. And he just He's been an asshole about this. He claimed in a statement at a sentencing that Megan is, quote, still someone I care deeply for to this day. Mm. Megan wrote a statement that somebody else delivered. She's like, I can't be I can't be in a room with him. It's fair. She said, quote, for once, the defendant must be forced to face the full consequences of his heinous actions and face justice. She said, I've been tormented and terrorized. She reiterated that he had paid bloggers to disseminate false information. He treated my trauma like a joke when I could have been dead. He blamed the system. He blamed the press. And as of late, he's using his childhood trauma to justify his actions. And finally, surely but surely, I'm healing, she said, but I'll never be the same. His crime warrants the full weight of the law. So I think this sort of sentence is, I, I think the highest was like 22 years, honestly. But the way like LA has some, you know, criminal justice reforms that really just encourage kind of like the median. But yeah, de- he should definitely be spending a long time in prison for shooting shooting somebody. Yeah, there's been a lot of discourse on Black mm. Twitter. You know, some not girls, girls, uh, to quote Lily Slater, have been saying like, wow, 10 years is really long. Like, she didn't even die, blah, blah, blah. But it's just <laughs> like, just, sorry, it's so fucking crazy. Like- yeah, that's nuts. That's so nuts. Yeah, but it's also like, he, the, the, the biggest thing about this case is that they had this incident. She wasn't going to say anything about it. He he started lying about it to her, discrediting her. He never took responsibility for his actions. They He could have had a plea deal. He mm-hmm. refused to take it. He, he thought that he could, you know, that, I mean, unfortunately, you know, society doesn't believe black women. So he thought he could get away with it. Um, and he didn't. So, yeah, he's going to be at least in jail. They're saying at least eight. Eight to eight mm-hmm. 8.5 years, yeah. you know, the sentence he's going to serve. So, right. Yeah. And that's a, the other thing, like, about the crime in general is like, it's very lucky that he just shot her in the foot because my understanding from reading about it is that he was just wildly shooting a gun shooting. Mm-hmm. in her general direction. So, mm-hmm. like, we're really fucking lucky that he didn't seriously or fatally injure her in a yeah. worse way. And that, he's lucky that I don't think he got charged with attempted murder. And he's lucky about that. Yeah. And that's like an out. I, I mean, it's unbelievable how reckless it is to just start firing a gun randomly in someone's direction. So, you know, part of me that tries not to be carceral is <laughs> in one place. But at the same time, a 10-year sentence doesn't seem that crazy to me when he's someone who, you know, has gotten in trouble, I think, for gun-related charges before. I'm not 100%. He's not even a citizen. So, you and, know what I mean? And he was literally he's from Canada. Yeah. First of all, he's Canadian. So jail for that. <laughs> so, yeah. Jail for that. Jail. Right to jail. Um, <laughs> and then, but also, like, he literally was randomly and wildly firing a gun at his like former romantic partner. That's Mm -hmm. very, very, very fucked up. And that is something that is indicative of a lot 
deeper and more fucked up problems. Again, when you think about like what domestic violence like means and can lead to the fact that we literally are dealing with someone who will take out a gun and just randomly start firing it at his ex. That's not, that is actually someone who should yes. go to jail and double down and not show remorse at first and yeah, be and absolutely try to yeah. smear her in the press, say all this stuff again to bring up Drake. Where's fucking Drake? Because he mm-hmm. was he said in that song he like tra- called her a liar or whatever. And now now the guy who he said she was a liar about is out here saying like I'm remorseful. I'm sorry for what I did. So it's like, are we gonna get an apology from? Some of these men who... Yeah, Drake. Much yeah. like a double DGG bra, you should be lifting women up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, Drake. <laughs> Maybe that's what the bra thrower meant. Maybe it was yes. a statement about yes. his lack of support. <laughs> Absolutely. That is our show for today. We will be back Monday, some of us, until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.